1: Hi, oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. All of today's stories have been submitted by fans from India. First, we'll pick up a stranger late at night in the streets of Delhi. Then, we'll hide from a crying spirit. After that, we'll hear peculiar noises in Ranchi jharkhand. And finally, we'll play Charlie Charlie in a haunted school. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com/snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. And if you're not already, make sure you're following me over at AwkwardSapphire on Twitter and Instagram and SapphireSandalo Sandalo on YouTube to stay updated on my future projects. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to read some listener mail. This comes from Kira in Kingston, Jamaica, in response to last week's episode about the duppy. Hey, Sapphire. So like Chan said, here, everyone has a ghost story. Jamaica is extremely religious. We're rumored to have the most churches per square mile but we also have a colorful oral tradition passed down from the slaves brought to the island all those years ago. Over a few hundred years, the hyper-religious supernatural Christian explanations of the world have been completely blended with the many stories, beliefs, and practices of people from countless West African tribes. The word duppy comes from Africa and means ghost or spirit, and almost everyone has seen one at least once in their life. They're often deceased family members and family friends who couldn't find their way to heaven or who stayed behind to watch over their loved ones. I've heard stories of duppies appearing to loved ones in dreams to tell them about a vital piece of information that they died with or to come with a warning about some unseen evil lurking in their home or in their future. They can either be a terrifying presence or a protective force, chasing away malevolent spirits stalking through your home at night. For some, they're just a regular member of the household, not welcome necessarily, but accepted. Elderly people tend to greet them in the early mornings and tell them goodnight before going to bed and set an extra space at the dining table for them. For others, they're wicked spirits, who steal your sleep from you and suck away your health and mental stability. They always haunt familiar places, places filled with people and life, and only true demons attach themselves to abandoned places. Duppies can really be good or bad, and you never know which one you're going to get, so it's best not to encourage them to stick around. I don't know about holy water, but you can keep them away by blessing your home and the members of your family with olive oil anointed by yourself, a priest, or someone else blessed by the Holy Spirit, or with garlic oil anointed by an obia woman. Obia is basically the Jamaican version of voodoo, or vodun, as we sometimes call it. An obia woman is a wise woman who practices obia for both healing and for punishment. People who are really sick go to see obia women to heal them of their maladies when all other medical treatment has failed or they simply can't afford them. People often pay obia women to curse someone who has crossed them or to make them fall ill or even kill them. I think men practice obia too, but we usually call them witch doctors. You can also try praying furiously or inviting priests to bless your home. If that doesn't work, you can turn to your local obia woman to chase them away with her rituals. Sometimes, the duppy are actually sent by obia women themselves to torment you and your family for some grave sin committed. Now that I'm older, I don't believe the stories as much anymore as I'm agnostic now. But even so, I still say a prayer every night before I go to bed, just in case. With love, Kira Thank you so much for your informative email, Kira. I think you've given us a lot of insight and advice on how to get rid of a duppy if you ever encounter one. And I hope nobody listening ever does. So, wanna hear something scary? scary. Beware the butt. The following story was inspired by Sia. It was Kai's first day driving for the rideshare app, CarShare, along the streets of New Delhi, India. He'd recently lost his job and needed to make money while looking for a new one. But he had driven around all day and had not received a single passenger. Tired of wasting his gas and his time, he was about to turn the app off when he finally got a notification. A woman named Sia was looking to be picked up in a sort of sketchy area of town. Kai really needed the money, so he accepted the ride and headed over. His GPS led him to a poorly lit, creepy block with nothing but abandoned warehouses. After looking around for a couple minutes, he finally saw a woman, but she was walking further and further away from the original pickup spot. She matched the picture on his app, and so he drove up to her and rolled his window down. Are you Sia, he asked. The woman stopped walking and looked at him. She was a bit shaken and confused, but she nodded. He gestured for her to come in, and she slowly opened the door and sat in the passenger seat. How are you this evening? Kai asked. Sia just continued to stare ahead of her. She was rubbing her neck nervously. Then she began patting down her body as though looking for something. After a couple more moments of silence, she finally spoke. Shit. I I think I lost my phone and my bag. She spoke slowly, slurring and stumbling on her words. She looked at Kai. Um I don't I don't remember calling a car. Oh, is that not you? Kai pointed to the photo on his phone. No, that's definitely me. Sia confirmed. I just um I don't I don't know where I am. We're in the warehouse district. Kai replied. What were you doing over there anyway? I, um, I think that I, uh, I think I was taking a shortcut. Yeah, I think I was taking a shortcut home. I don't remember. Kai was beginning to get a little suspicious. He noticed that her eyes were bloodshot. Maybe she was really drunk. Kai was not looking forward to the possibility of her getting sick in his car. It was definitely not the way he wanted his first ride to go. He handed her a bottle of water. Would you like some water? Ah! Sia smacked the bottle out of his hand. Okay, Kai thought. There was definitely something wrong with this woman. I'm, I'm sorry, I have no idea why I did that. Um, sure, I'll, I'll take some water. Kai watched in the corner of his eye as she leaned over to grab the bottle from where it landed by her feet. And that's when he noticed them for the first time. Her feet, they pointed backwards. He almost lost control of the car when he saw them. That's when he knew the woman sitting next to him was a but. In India, a but is the spirit of a recently deceased person. Their feet are pointed backwards and always hover above the ground because the earth is too sacred for them to touch. They are also terrified of water. This woman must have died very recently, thought Kai, because she still didn't seem to understand that she was dead. He felt sorry for her, but immediately snapped out of it. He knew that he had to get her out of his car before she realized she was dead. With his right hand still on the wheel, Kai slowly reached over to his door compartment. He carefully unscrewed the top of another bottle of water, slowly, so Sia would not notice. As he did this, Sia continued to rub her neck. She pulled down the visor, brushed aside her thick black hair, and examined her neck in the mirror and screamed, Kai looked over and saw that her neck was completely purple and bruised, with a red ring caused from friction. He could see the look of realization wash over Sia's face. Her once timid expression morphed into that of pure, unfiltered fury. She turned her now pitch-black eyes toward Kai, just as he sprayed her with the open bottle of water. She yelled in agony as the water burned her skin, and in a few moments, she was gone. Not realizing he had been holding his breath, Kai let out a sigh of relief. His heart was still pounding out of his chest. I'm never driving for car share again, he thought to himself. His hands were shaking, and when he heard the steady drumming of the rumble strip, he realized he was drifting into the shoulder and jerked the car back into his lane. Pay attention, he thought. His eyes darted around the car nervously, and when he was certain that he was completely alone, he began to punch in the directions to head home. Kai was suddenly blinded when some jackass began tailgating him with his brights all the way on. Kai began to speed up to get some distance from the car behind him when he realized he had knocked his rear view mirror out of line when he sprayed the boot. He adjusted the mirror back into place and saw two pitch black eyes staring back at him. The driver who had been tailgating him later reported to authorities that something lunged at Kai before he fishtailed off the road and slammed into a post. There was only one body in the mangled wreck. The next morning, a few miles away, Sia's body was found in the warehouse district. So they say, beware of who you let into your car late at night. They just might be a bot.
2: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. that 's a n g i dot com
1: and now more something scary before we head into more stories, we have another listener email from CD in India hey sapphire this is CD thanks a lot for mentioning my mail two times previously. I was going through your latest podcast, and I wanted to write this before as well, but I didn't think I should until I heard Viola May's response for Madison's story. I believe that everyone goes through these near-death experiences once or twice in their life. Some people go through it a lot of times. I have as well. I won't write those incidents down because that's not what I'm writing this email for. I read about this in our Hindu holy scripture, Bhagavad Gita, It is said that these near-death experiences are based on our past lives. Every time we go through a near-death experience, it is the payment that we are supposed to pay for some horrible sin that we have committed in this life or the past life, but is usually spared because of something good that we have done. Makes sense, to be honest. I believe that in order to explain this, it is not necessary that you have to be very religious. You do something good, you get your reward. I would suggest all the atheists out there to believe or not believe in God as your choice, but always believe in karma. I think every time you are about to face death but are saved is a reward for something good that you have done. I hope you find this relevant. Then again, a lot has changed in our scriptures and what I have read could be irrelevant, but one thing I know will never change is that karma never forgets anyone or anything. Thanks a lot. I hope you read it, and I hope I have not offended anyone. And if I have, then I'm truly sorry. It was never my intention. Thanks and regards, C.D. Well, thank you again for writing in, C.D. I love reading your mail because you're always very insightful. That is a really interesting explanation for having frequent near-death experiences. The idea of reincarnation and paying for past sins. That does make a lot of sense to me. Our next tale comes from Pulabi. This is a true story that their mother shared with them. My maternal grandfather was a school teacher by profession, and he used to practice something called Tantra, and he was a quiet, renowned Tantric in the village. When paranormal activities occurred around town, he was the one they called So one night when my mom was 10 years old, she was up late with her older sister who was studying for some upcoming exam. My grandpa was out of the village that night. Suddenly around 2 AM, my mom heard the cry of a little boy. My mom felt bad and wanted to go out and help him. She went to call my grandma first as the door was locked and she couldn't open it alone. My mom asked my grandma if she could hear the kid. My grandma was visibly scared and called my mom and her sister and asked them to close all the windows and sleep with her in her room that night. My mom wanted to help the crying kid, but my grandma didn't allow her to go out. My mom didn't understand and was really angry, but she went to sleep anyway. The next morning, my grandpa came home. My mom was still upset and told him what had happened. He explained that what they heard was not a crying child, it was an evil spirit that was roaming around the village at night. It does that one night every year, and it said the first three people who opened their doors to help him die of unnatural circumstances. And that night, three people have been found dead. One man fell from a tree, another drowned, and the third one got burned in a funeral pyre on the burning ground. There was no explanation as to what they were doing in those places late at night. My mom asked her father why he didn't help the villagers, but he said the spirit was very old and powerful, and it was beyond his power to control. To this day, that spirit is still heard at night once a year, and everyone keeps their doors closed as a precaution. But it's easy to forget sometimes, and every year in that village, three people will die thank you very much pulabi um a crying spirit that definitely reminds me of la llorona which is another famous weeping ghost it also reminds me of the Chanak in filipino folklore where it's a baby that cries to try to lure you into helping it before it eats you it's kind of funny to think that all of these stories are basically making you paranoid of helping strangers. So I hope that in this village, if a little boy that wasn't the spirit was walking the streets and needed help, oh, I really hope somebody actually helps him. Our next chapter comes from Bunny. This happened to them the summer after they finished high school. So my parents used to work in a school in Delhi, India. My dad got promoted to principal of another school in Ranchi, a city in Jharkhand. So we moved there to a new house, big, clean, and beautiful. I was usually left alone in the house since my younger brother was still in high school and my mom and dad were at work. One day while I was alone playing games on my laptop, I heard the walls of our house make sounds like something was moving in them. I figured there might be rats, so I told my mom about it. We started keeping traps around the house. The next day, the traps made sounds so I thought the rats were caught, but when I checked them, they were empty. I armed them again and left. When I got back to my laptop I looked at the window in front of me and I saw a slight reflection of something hanging on the fan. I looked closely and saw something that somewhat looked like a man. I immediately looked behind me but saw nothing. I didn't tell anyone about this. But day by day I was feeling like I was being ignored and depressing thoughts started coming into my head. I heard whispers telling me I was a failure, You're a, a good-for-nothing. You you then one night, I was woken by the sound of nails on a chalkboard. I looked around and saw nothing again. I checked the time and it was around 3 a.m. I put my head down and tried to sleep again, but this time the sound came from the door of my room. It sounded like growls of both a man and a woman's voice. I opened my eyes, saw nothing. This happened three to four times that night. I thought my mind was playing tricks on me, so I turned towards the other side and tried to sleep. The same sound came again, but this time I was waiting for it. Within a split second, the voice ran from the door right next to my ear. I moved my head to look at what it was, but when I did, it was gone. I was so scared, I woke up my family and told them what happened. The next day they called the landlady and asked her about this. She said that the previous owners had complained about noises in the house and they left because their eldest son tried to commit suicide. We asked the neighbors and they told us that the past people living in it had the same problems. The eldest son and daughter of the house were always sad and gloomy. I got chills down my spine hearing all of this. We, of course, moved from there, and now I sleep peacefully and happily. But to this day, I still wonder, what was that growl that came to my ear? I don't sleep facing away from the door anymore. Thanks for sending in that spooky story, Bunny. I also wonder what that growl was. I wonder if you and your family had stayed in that house longer, Whatever it was that you kept hearing might have physically manifested and you wouldn't just be hearing it anymore, but you'd also see it. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or
0: download the app today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: And now we've reached our final chapter. This comes from Anushri. This story happened to me when I was in ninth grade. So basically, the building in which I was staying in was this five-story building where everyone stayed in separate rooms. I remember that this particular day, I had heard of the legend of the pencil game Charlie Charlie. I remember after classes were over, my best friend and I went into the cafeteria which was on the ground floor. I remembered the game and told my best friend, who I will call Mara. If you don't know the rules of Charlie Charlie, it's very simple. You create a four square grid on a piece of paper. Two of the squares say yes, the other two say no. You place one pencil down the middle and another pencil on top of that pencil so that it can rotate freely and point to either yes or no. The idea is that you summon the spirit of Charlie and he answers your questions by moving the top pencil. So we started playing and to my surprise, it was actually working. The pencil would move whenever we asked it a question. But then Mara burst out laughing. She admitted that she was blowing on the pencil through her nose. I playfully slapped her arm. Then we decided to go around the building. As we walked from the stairs to the fifth floor, Mara went to a water cooler to drink some water. I decided to stay behind near the staircase. I was just looking around when I heard Mara call my name. She sounded frightened. I turned around and saw Mara across the hallway, shaking. Shaking so violently that my first thought was that she was having a fit. I ran up to her and saw that she was trying to point at something. I looked in the direction of her hand and saw a woman. She seemed old, too old to be exact. She had lanky arms and her skin was black with white peels coming off. She was wearing a brown sari and her hands were twisted in a scary way, almost like someone had twisted her hands to an extreme limit. Suddenly, she started dragging herself at me. Hell, I didn't know what it was. I could feel my heart in my chest. I tried to help my friend. Everything went black for a second when I suddenly ran. I ran towards the staircase with my friend who I was dragging behind me. I still can't forget Mara's face. She was shaking and had foam coming out of her mouth. I was so paranoid. I ran, dragging my friend down those steps until we reached the ground floor. I wanted to pass out, but I couldn't. I was too scared. Thankfully, a fellow teacher saw my friend and I, and looking at my friend's situation, took her to the medical office. She stayed in that fit for the whole day. Her body felt so cold. I was crying as everyone was trying to wake her up by rubbing their hands on her cold hands and body. Eventually, the ambulance was called and she was safe. She had suffered an actual seizure. I called my mom and told her everything. She said that she would come visit me a few days later. I kept throwing up the entire night. I was questioned about my friend, and no one truly knows who that woman was or what it was. I don't ever tell this story in the dark. I still get nightmares thinking of that incident. I have stayed in contact with Mara, and every time I call her, she tells me that she genuinely doesn't remember what happened that day. She just knows that she was scared, and then everything went black. I wonder who that woman was and if she's still out there. Beware the Boot was inspired by Sia. Audio for this story edited by Johnny Ashley. All other story scripts edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sindalo. Music and audio editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sindalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. And if you dare, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Awkward Sapphire and YouTube and Twitch at SapphireSindalo. Until next time, sweet dreams.